Welcome back. The second season of the Stay Hot Podcast, 10th Region Weekly with Evan Dennison. And Evan, just before we start getting into 10th Region, I just want to congratulate you on the big news that you dropped this week on social media. Um, I know I speak for a lot of people that have, you know, lived through your writings, your pictures, your videos on social media. The 10th region took a big hit, not only the 10th region, but the uh, Maysville area and the surrounding areas around. So congratulations on a, uh, a promotion, so to speak, uh, a job. And um going to hate to lose you, but, man, I totally understand the situation, and I wish you the best of luck. Hey, I appreciate it. You know, it was just an opportunity that I, I couldn't pass up. Um, I had some some changes, you know, in, in my life over the last year with, you know, my, my girlfriend and, and her child and, you know, moving in with them in Batavia, Ohio kind of forced me north and uh you know i'm taking my job up to link nky it's a uh, website and a weekly um, newspaper that'll kind of you know be covering kenton boone and campbell county so i won't be completely out of the tent i'm just shifting a little bit more north i'll be you know more focused probably on the 37th you know being in campbell county and also be covering a lot of the ninth region too but uh you know i'll still definitely have my eye on the 10th region i'll, I'll be involved with you know four of those schools out of the full 16 and I'll still definitely have a a full grasp on this region and just really looking forward to the opportunity. And, you know, thanks to you and, you know, everybody else that's really followed me along my path here in the last seven plus years. Well, and you know, it's kind of strange because, you know, being at Robertson County the last few years, um, you covered us just like, you know, we were a part of any other thing. And that was rare for a school that size. And I know the people of Robertson County were grateful. And, you know, it's funny, though, because whenever I go out and we're talking basketball, people have mentioned that, you know, just what kind of hit the 10th region took just with you taking another job. But, um, you, you know, all great things come to an end. Hopefully the Ledger Independence able to find somebody who's a passionate about 10th region basketball as you've been. And, that is uh, willing to go out and cover all the schools and, you know, let people who aren't able to watch the games live through, you know, their writings as, you know, as we did you. And um, so tell people one more time how they can follow your work, because I know that a lot of people in the 10th are still going to want to do that. Yeah, I'll be at link, L-I-N-K, uh, N-K-Y dot com. It's a website, fairly easy to access. There's no paywall or anything. And, um, you know, you can subscribe or donate uh, as you read and, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll still be following along in the 10th and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be very active on Twitter still as long as Elon doesn't shut us down. And uh, I'll be posting, you know, a lot of work through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the socials. And uh, that's still a big part of my job and, you know, keeping everybody updated. Well, it's good to hear because I know I'll keep up because it's funny that, you know, if somebody ever looked at my phone and looked through my Twitter search history, they'd see Evan Dennison about 546 <laughs> times because I know if you're covering a game, I, you know, you were the one I relied on. And But, you know, congratulations once again. But uh, And also, I'm very thankful and grateful that you've decided to come on for another year. Uh, we got over 500 – or, sorry, we got over 5,000 listens last year, um, which is not huge. But, you know, people in the area is passionate about 10th region basketball. And I felt like, you know, with the coaches and the action and everything that, you know, you were a big help to this. And I'm grateful that you're agreeing to do it again. So, um, with that being said, um, the media day – happened a couple weeks ago and I know me and you were both able to sit in on media day and we're going to discuss some takeaways and you know things but you know we kind of want to give a district by district preview of the season and um the season opens tomorrow I'm not so sure how many boys games play tomorrow 
you know, I know as a head coach back on the sidelines, I, you know, I open up tomorrow and I'm sure there are some boys games, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at Bishop Brossard's schedule right now. They open up with Villa Madonna on the road. So there will be some 10th region games tomorrow, but let's start with the 37th district. And um, that's one district that I feel like year in and year out is probably one of the more competitive districts in the 10th. Um, just the quality of coaches, the quality of players, but uh, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit different this year. I think the major story going in, and I'd like to hear your take on this, is, you know, kind of Eric Russell's last ride. Yeah. I mean, it's a team that's going to be right there again in the mix. And, uh, you know, as far as last ride, um, did he, correct me if I'm wrong, did he announce this will be his last season or – well, I'm not so sure I've heard those words straight from Eric Russell, but I've heard it from everybody else but Eric Russell. So okay. I think he admitted that, you know, I think he came out and said that I think this was his last year on the sidelines and that he was retiring. And, okay. um, you know, you heard me say it a few times last year was, you know, I remember playing against Coach Russell and this group that's seniors this year, I think, is the group that he wanted in with. And he really felt like that he had the opportunity to uh, make a run at the regional title this year. Yeah, you know, this was a class that he had bragged about. I remember two years ago at the Fieldhouse, you know, when they had made the region championship kind of surprise Montgomery County there in the semifinals when the Indians were stacked that year with Hagen Harrison and Ricky Lovett and those guys. And uh, they kind of just bloomed and blossomed quickly as sophomores. And, you know, they made it to the title. They were 4.9 4. seconds away from, from beating Clark, you know, Drone Morton hits that layup at the buzzer and gets gets Clark to the start of, uh, you know, that gets in their back-to-back and, you know, the next year they three-peat and end up winning the state title. So, um, you know, with, with Aiden Hamilton and Jake Gross, two guys that could just flat-out go, Aiden, you know, he'll get you 20-plus every single night, basically. And, you know, pretty much everyone knows by now he's a Kentucky baseball commit. So a very talented multi-sport athlete, and then you got Gross, too, that can really stretch the floor with his shooting. He gets hot. I mean, he can knock down three, four threes in a quarter and instantly change a game from a two- or three-point lead to a 12-point game. You know, that's that's how dynamic he is. And I just think their chemistry is going to be a lot better this year. Um, you know, I, I think you also get the point guard, Garen Jackson. Um, when he was inserted into the lineup last year, they went on a huge run down the stretch. I believe it was like 14-2. and two. And uh, it, it propelled them all the way to the region semifinals where they lost a heartbreaker to Bracken County. And that's a game, you know, could have went either way. Caden uh, Reed hits that three, sends it into OT. And, uh, you know, the rest is history for the Polar Bears as they get to the region final. And, you know, Campbell does take a little hit with Des Davey not there anymore. Um, you know, things had happened, you know, that we won't really elaborate on. But, you know, that, that takes a hit because that's, that's a nightly double-double. So where do they get that production is the question. And that's the question I was going to ask you is, you know, the one concern, you know, you know, when Coach Russell talked to me about this group, of course, Dez Davey was included. And we all know Dez because, you know, as good as Dev, Dez was a couple of years ago in the regional tournament, if you remember kind of his coming out party at the Fieldhouse, um, I thought he got, improved a lot and was much better last year. So obviously they're going to take a, you know, probably a 15 to 20 point score and a double digit rebounder. And, you know, but I've got a lot of faith in coach Russell. If anybody can find and develop somebody to fill that role as best as possible, I believe he can. But um, even still, what comes out of that is how they collectively do that, you know, and and coach Russell had named, you know, quite a few guys that he thinks capable of getting them 
not the 15 and 10 or 18 and nine, but guys that can get them six and four. And you get two or three of those guys on a nightly basis, then collectively, you know, that, that can definitely, you know, change things around for them. And I, I think a few guys you want to look at, if that's the case, uh, Nate Smith had, had some great minutes in, in that region tournament. Uh, Connor Winel, it looks like he's going to be one of their bigs for them. Uh, Jaden Combs is a, it's a guard. It's a sophomore guard that, that Eric's really high on. And then you got a uh, Keegan Hill who's, who's battle tested as well. And also had some big minutes in the region championship. So I think his words were exactly was, you know, the cupboard isn't bare at all. Uh, and coming from one of the larger, uh, enrollment schools in the region, I wouldn't expect it to ever be bare, but, um, just that, you know, going into this season, you know, knowing it's his last, I just feel like, you know, there's going to be a lot of those games that we remember for a really long time for a multitude of reasons. But um, who do you think – I mean, I know they've had a stronghold on that district for a while. How many straight years have they won that district? I believe it's eight, eight or eight. nine. Yeah, That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like there may – you know, I know Scott uh, with Coach Fro, he still has uh, Nolan Hunter and Braden Howe. Um, they're – two great, you know, high school basketball players. And uh, Bishop Rosser's got a kind of a new coach and maybe a new style who, you know, we don't know yet. Um, but do, do you feel Scott is the best uh, team in that district to challenge Campbell County from the start? You know, no offense to Coach Pro if, if him and his guys, you know, I, I know their coaching staff really well with um, Chris Stapleton and, and Jeremy Ziegler and those guys. Uh I'm still going Brosser. I think they do return quite a bit, and I'm pretty high on Coach Franz, and I think he's going to bring a, a championship mentality um, to those guys. And it's a very senior-heavy team. You know, it looks like they've got six, seven seniors on there that are con- that are going to contribute to them. Losing Govan will be a big hit to them in the post, David Govan. But, you know, they've got some some guys out on the wing I think that will be able to challenge and you know, uh, Brosser, I, I think you'll see a little bit different style this year, too. That I, I think you might see a little bit more fast pace, you know, maybe less of the grind it out and, and kind of go get it. So I think it'd be interesting to see what, what Brosser um, brings. And then, you know, Scott, I, I, I think, you know, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder from, from last season. You know, it was, a, it was a tough year for them, and they'll admit that. But a lot of those games they lost were just close. Just they couldn't close down the wire. And you know, they returned some some big names um, to help them out. So, you know, I think those two will be battling probably for that second spot. But again, you know, I, I still think Campbell's your team to beat, obviously, there in that in that district. But definitely, I, I think Brossard's, you know, right on their heels with with Scott a close third. And, you know, that that two three game is, is one you really want to avoid. And you got to think again, that district, they only play one game, you know, one district game throughout the year. So there's a premium on those games. And uh you, you got to win those early and, and get them done. And, you know, you look at it, and I believe Scott and Brosser, they play – it's it's Campbell and Brosser. They play December 16th. So, here in a few weeks, you know, someone's going to already have the leg up in that district. And, you know, that's that's just a monstrous game that you want to circle here early on in the schedule. Well, and, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Coach Franzen because I have to say that media day was my first um, really experience listening to him or – you know, seeing him, and I know how popular the friends and name is in Northern Kentucky. And, you know, coming from Cuffcath, I, I, you know, I agree about the championship, you know, mindset that he's going to bring. But, you know, this is, I'm curious to see because, you know, Rosser went from Coach Mike Code to Coach Scott Code. 
those brothers have been coaching a long time together, both very knowledgeable, but they both kind of had their system and how they ran it, you know, and I'm curious to see how the floor may be spaced and opened up if, you know, if they decide to play a little bit faster. Uh, but I thought Coach Franzen was very impressive with his interview at Media Day, and I really enjoyed listening to him. And I'm, I'm probably going to pay a little bit close attention to Brasser early on because I want to see, you know, how it changes. You know, like you said, the grinded out mentality that they've played in the past. Now, I'm not knocking that mentality because it's obviously been successful for Coach Mike Code and Coach Scott Code. But um, it'll be kind of different to see Brasser play a different style after all these years where we've watched them beach in the 40s, you know. Yeah. But uh, – it's such a weird dynamic of a roster they have too. And, you know, we hit on that uh, during media day was, you know, they've got zero juniors and zero freshmen on the roster as of right now, it's all seniors and sophomores. So it looks like one, two, <coughs> excuse me, three, four, five, seven seniors. And it looks like, you know, 10 sophomores on the roster. That's, that's a unique dynamic, you know? It's, yeah, and that's the thing I think that kind of mm, – I don't know. That's the thing I think that I, I'm kind of interested in seeing. Um, but, you know, like you said, you're going to know early on because they only play once and December 16th. That Brossard-Campbell game will probably be uh, a little bit more valuable or a little bit more important than a lot of early December games should be. Both teams will still be trying to, you know, learn their way or, you know, Brossard with a new coach. Campbell County is going to have to uh, make up the production of an all-region performer, first-team all-region performer. But, um, you know, speaking of Scott and Coach Frohmeyer, I, I, I'm just telling you, I really like Hunter and Howe a lot. I really think that with those two guys and their experience, I really do believe that, um, you know, them and Brossard's going to be a battle. And if you remember several years ago, maybe just a couple, I think it was at Campbell County Middle where they had a – just a instant classic of a district first round game. And, you know, those, those districts are so battle tested and um, it just, it always plays out in the end, but it'll be a fun season to follow that district because of how competitive. And then, you know, Calvary lost quite a bit, but we know one thing about coach Orlando Donaldson that I've learned over the years is he's a competitive guy that knows how to coach and he will always get the most out of his team. His players will play hard. They'll get the most out of them. I just don't know if they have the talent and depth from top to bottom to compete with the Brossard, Scott, and Campbell on a night-in, night-out basis. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And then just getting back to Scott real quick, you know, the words from from Frohmeyer, 7-1, and one, unacceptable. You know, some of those losses, obviously tough losses. But his thing that I, I think that really hit home was, you know, he wanted to get back to old Scott basketball, which was focusing on the defensive side. So, you know, and another neat little tidbit is uh, from our did coach Franzen in eighth grade, and he wanted to hire him on on the scout staff, and uh, he said he can't sandbag me. So <laughs> a little takeaway. But, You're right on Calvary. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it, it's a rebuild year for them, and they, they, they know that, I think, too. You know, they love right, and, 19, but, you know, 1,600 points and only brought four back. So it, it's a year where they're going to have to, you know, build things back up. And he's got seven juniors to do it, so it's a year for them to kind of take that stepping stone and, and I think, build toward next year. Well, and it's just, you know, Coach Johnson, just a guy that I think that I've grown to like a lot and really respect just because of the product he always put on the floor. And, you know, being at Robertson County, we had some battles with Calvary in the All-A and just, you know, I think it's just a lot of mutual respect there. And, you know, as always, you know, small schools go through cycles with not only – talent level but also you know the number of players that play and um he's in a tough district so 
Um, but, you know, anything can happen. And I think there's been several times Calvary has upset one of those teams in the regular season or whatever. So, you know, anything's possible. Um, but not going to dismiss them completely. Yeah, I mean, if I was going into the year, I, I, I'd go, you know, Campbell one, Brostrick two, Scott three, Calvary four, with that two three game, pretty much every year, seemingly always going to be a toss up come come mid to late February of the district tournament. Right. All right, moving on to the thirty eighth. Um, that's a district that, of course, you know, I've been in and for a while now, and I'm still in just on the girls' side. But, uh, you know, I think um, Harrison County has to be the favorite going in in that district. Um, they return a lot, and I think Harrison County is one of those teams that have all the all the pieces. They got size. They got depth. They got quickness. They got outstanding guard play. Um, it just – I think it's time to see, you know, and I want to get your take on this, though. I just – you know, I think it's time to see Harrison County kind of take that next step in the region. You know, 100%, you know, you know, I thought last year in the regional tournament, I think they had Brighton County in the first round, which was another excellent regional tournament game down there at Holmes. But, um, you know, I think the story of this district is will kind of be that two, three game. Um, you know, Robertson and, you know, I know Coach Mitchell. I like Coach Mitchell a lot. He's done a lot for Robertson County schools, but I think he knows as well as anybody that, you know, um, his back's kind of against the wall and the, you know, he's playing a lot of middle school kids on the JV and varsity levels. They don't have a lot of numbers. I think he realizes that, you know, in the district that, you know, it's going to be an uphill climb, but, you know, I think the interesting part there is that two, three with potentially Nicholas and Pendleton. I'm not saying Nicholas and Pendleton can't win the, you know, win the one seed, but I think when you look at paper, um, on paper to start the season, Harrison County is obviously the number one to me. Then, you know, I'm curious to see what happens with the penalty Nicholas in the two, three. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. And I, I think it's, it's no secret on, on how that would go down. Um, coach, coach Brooks is, he's the hottest team this year. I mean, I, I was, I was surprised that at times during the media day, you know, you don't normally hear Terrence go out there and say, you know, we feel disrespected and, you know, and, he pointed toward his point guard at Caden Custard. He said, you know, I'm seeing this guy rank seventh, eighth in the region. And, you know, outside of Jerome Morton, he he put him up there with number two with anybody else. And uh, anytime I see Caden lace him up, he's going to compete and and be one of the best players out there on the floor. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna approach this season with a little bit of chip on their shoulder with, with kind of how it went down in the region tournament and, and losing in overtime to, to Bracken County, which was the theme of the region tournament last year. And uh, – I like the breads. They, I, I just wonder where they get that depth, you know, after Custard, after J.D. Kendall, after Will Furnish. You know, I know Braylon Hinton transferred, so that kind of takes a hit to start in five. So where are they getting that depth? I mean, I know Mason Smiley, Garrett Wilson, and, you know, Coach Brooks is high on a large group of du- juniors. So who out of that junior crop's going to kind of step up and, and fill out that rotation, and, and, and how deep can they go for how Terrence Brooks likes to kind of coach his defense, which is very – you know, a physical in-your-face style of basketball. And, you know, you're going to need to rotate guys in and out for that 32-minute stretch. And, you know, Nicholas Pendleton, again, it's going to come down. You know, they they play home and home. So it, it could very well be do they split during the regular season, who gets home court, where, you know, where that district tournament this year, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is at Robertson County? I'm not 100% sure because – 
the district does something totally crazy that I never really understood why, even when I was a part of it. Like the girls district will be held at one site and the boys will be at another. I think the girls district is at Harrison County. Okay. I'm not 100% sure where the boys district at. It may be at Pendleton. I'm not sure. Maybe at Robertson. I don't really Last know. Year was Pendleton. Year before was Harrison. Uh, that's where I get confused. 2020 was, was Nicholas, the COVID year. So I believe it'll be Robertson this year. And it could be. I'm, dead, I mean, you know, you put them on a neutral floor in a 2 3 game, it, it, anything goes. So, right. And, and um, Pendleton will be much improved this year, I think. You know, Nicholas, I think, made steps in the right direction last year. Um, you know, they got to, uh, I believe they got the double digit wins. You know, they were 10 and 19. And, uh, you know, won, won a couple games in the district and, you know, a lot rests on Wyatt Clark's shoulders, but a big thing there is there's going to be a bigger bullseye on him this year. You know, it's not going to be as easy for him to go get that 22.7 a night, and teams are going to really key in on him. So who's that guy to step in? Is it Lincoln Morris? You know, is it Preston Blake? You know, is it Tate Letcher? You know, he's got some guys that can fill in and, and do a nice job where – Pendleton, we don't really know much about guys, you know. Well, I think, I think a lot of those guys are, are ready to prove themselves, and I think that's what makes them dangerous. And it also – it's crazy that some of those names you've mentioned because I've heard Lincoln Morris and Tate Letcher since they were seventh graders, you know. It feels like they've already played a half a lifetime of high school <laughs> basketball. And, um, you know, you took what I was going to say about Wyatt Clark. He's a dynamic player. I think he's probably one of the more underrated players in the region because I don't think a lot of the bigger schools get the opportunity to see him play. Um, but he is a scorer. He can score at all three levels, but he's not going to sneak up on anybody anymore. Everybody's going to know him now, and I think he, the attention he's getting is rightfully earned. But, I, you know, sometimes it's easy to be that 20-point scorer when nobody really knows who you are. Um, yeah, and I, I, Coach Wright's made a good point. You know, their first win against Pendleton last year was in twenty. It was the first win over him in 20 years. You know, he had mentioned that at the media day, and that caught my attention because I didn't even realize that. So I didn't either. They're, they're um, getting close, you know. And, you know, and I think John Michael has said it multiple times and, you know, don't want to say it's like the monkey on his back or anything, but, like, it's been a while since Nicholas County has been to the regional tournament. Um, I would say this year has to be one of the best opportunities that he's going to have to get his team to the regional tournament. And I know how hard John Michael works. I know how much he's liked and respected in Carlisle. Um, he's passionate about basketball and he's passionate about kids. But um, I just – I agree with you with what you said about Pendleton County. You know, being over there every day, I see how hard, you know, Coach Ellsburn works. I see how hard the players work. And I think, you know, the one thing I like is they know that they had three wins last year. Everybody's reminded them since last year that they've had three wins. Um, They got an opportunity to come out and really prove a lot of people wrong because I think they've already been dismissed by people because of their season last year. Um, Coach Ellsburn says a phrase I like. He's like, you kind of basically ignore the noise, coach your team. And that's exactly kind of what he's done. And he's got an opportunity this year to, uh, you know, really, you know, improve on the three-win season. But I think he's got an opportunity to make the regional tournament as well. And I know him and John Michael are um, really good friends. So I'm sure they've talked about that. But it's um, that's going to be a competitive district for that, you know, two-three matchup and – uh, it's another one that I'm kind of interested in following because, you know, we play each other twice in the district. The games are seated now. So, um, 
it's going that's going to be a competitive uh year too. Yeah, January 20th and February 3rd are the two dates to circle on that one. That's when uh Pendleton and Nicholas face off in Carlisle and then in at February 3rd they'll they'll get underway in in Falmouth and I think those those two will determine um which again they you know if it's the 2-3 game it, it won't matter as much I guess but you know, not right. Again, you know, like you said, not writing Robertson off, but we know what they've lost over the last two years, and you know, you don't just replace those guys at a school that has a school that has uh, kids K through twelve. Well, and over probably right around a hundred in the high school, maybe one hundred twenty-five. I know their enrollment's up, but you know, they just lost a guy that scored over three thousand points and grabbed over a thousand rebounds. And there aren't many schools, regardless of size, that replace that in a year. And you know. I've seen Coach Mitchell already out on the scouting trail. I've seen him at a, at a scrimmage this year scouting. You know, I know he's putting in his time in. He's working hard. And, you know, I think he's got a schedule that um, in place to where they can be competitive in some games and maybe gain some valuable experience. But um, as far as putting them up there with, you know, in the district, it's just, you know, just a tough spot to be in right now considering, you know, they lost a class of eight seniors the year before. They're going to lose Justin Becker the next year. That's a lot of – you know, that's that's a big haul to lose over a two-year span. But um, yeah, And yeah. obviously on to the 39th, which is one of the more exciting districts in the 10th region for whatever reason it may be, um, with Augusta, Bracken, Mason, and St. Pat. And I kind of think, you know, St. Pat is kind of in the same boat Robertson County's in. You know, low numbers, a very small school um, – Coach Tony Moore is another one of those good guys that coaches that, you know, he's in it for the right reason, the kids. It's just that, you know, I've seen several Facebook posts from different, you know, school members, people in the community just kind of begging um, other sports athletes to play basketball just so they kind of have the numbers to practice and to try to get better on a daily basis. And, you know, I think Coach Moore knows as well that his uh, – Back's kind of up against the wall, so to speak. But uh, he's still fielding the team. He's still going to put them out there every day, and they're still going to work hard for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours after practice or after school for practice like every other team does. So, you know, hopefully he's got a schedule in place to where those guys can be competitive and, you know, get better as the year goes along. But it's no it's no secret that, you know, that district is kind of Mason Bracken and Augusta. And um, I think uh, – you know, Bracken County made the finals of the region last year, so it's kind of hard to not list them as a district favorite. But it's been how long? How many years? Thirty some years since Bracken has beat Mason County. Nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine, when Coach Reed was a player. As a matter yeah, of fact, that was that but was the year that Coach, you know, Coach Fisher, the AD, was the head coach, and Adam Reed and uh, Jamie Johnson, I believe, were were teammates, and that's the you know the the head boys coach and the principal of the school. So a lot of ties to that. A lot of ties there, but you know, it's 31, um, 31, 31 straight games. 30. Okay. I said years. Yeah. 31 straight games. Mason County has been able to defeat um, Bracken County. And, you know, at some point in time, you would like to think that um, that's kind of in their head, but I know coach Reed, I know Blake and Caden Reed, and I don't think, you know, if they have a team or any players that can break that streak, I think Bracken County has the roster this year that's capable. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just know that, you know, making the finals of the region, really the only thing that's kind of left for them to accomplish that they haven't yet is a district championship. And I think that's where their mind is set. 
Absolutely. You know, and uh, Mason Bracken, it, it's it's really butted into a great rivalry. And, you know, maybe the folks in Maysville say it's, it's not really a rivalry until one team beats the other, you know, on a consistent basis. And I, I can understand that train of thought. It's it's like that Kentucky Louisville football or basketball rivalry these days, you know. So mm. take it just well, you know, a quick shot it, at those U of L guys, but you know, I won't go too in depth on that. I'm not gonna say too much because I'll talk about the U of L football, but basketball right now for Kentucky, I don't want to talk about because it's not going so great at times either. But um I get it. But but what you but what you just said there about, you know, Bracken and Mason and you know, just that rivalry. Let's talk about just briefly how smart Lexington Catholic was for scheduling that game in December. December 27th. You talking about a kind of a little marketing, you know, kind of genius move there, you know, because that's a game that Bracken County's wanted and now it's on the schedule and, you know, over Christmas break, a lot of people's going to be able to tune in. It's in Lexington. You're going to get a very big crowd for that one. Now, that game on a on a big scale probably doesn't have anything to do with, the district tournament. Bracken County wins. They may gain a little confidence. You know, Mason County wins. It may motivate Bracken County a little more. That The result of that game is not going to have a big impact in my mind in the district tournament. However, what I do like about it is these two teams getting together to play because the, both of those schools have some of the area's best athletes. Yeah. I mean, I, like you said, Lexington Catholic's very smart marketing standpoint. You know, that, that tournament sells itself, obviously, with the top teams that are in it. But when you get a game like that, district foes, no love loss. They don't play each other during the regular season outside of that game. Guarantee you're going to get 1,000 to 1,500 people to travel an hour down south, down 68, to, to get to that game. So, you know, you're, you're going to look at a, an electric game. And I, I think, you know, it's at a good spot in the season where, you know, Mason's probably getting their football guys for their first practice of the season tomorrow. So they'll have basically a month to ramp up for that. And But like you mentioned, that, that game is not going to be the one that's big on their radar until it gets to that point. You know, that's not a game where like, oh, we got to circle that one. We got to win that one. Of course you do because of the rivalry, but it's like you said, not a, not one that you just kind of just say, hey, you know, this is the game we're shooting for or, this is where our season lies, you know. So well, and then the you know kind of talk about the the fans of both teams will make that game bigger than what it is. Absolutely, of course. That'll be a great time to be on social media. <laughs> I'm glad I'll be in Gatlinburg. Hopefully, uh, I'll be able to stream that game and watch it. But uh, I'll miss um, I'll miss I'll miss that uh, that engagement, you know, between those two teams. You know, that's that's something. You know, I'm sure somebody will still blame you for something though. Oh, yeah. It'll be your fault or something down the I, line. But ideally, I'd love to be down there for it because you know there's going to be some teams uh, down there from you know up up where I'm at. Campbell County plays North Laurel on that day. You know, just to 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 and also Holy Cross Covington, first line County. You know, two of your Jacob Meyer, Travis Perry. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's some some monstrous games that day. I mean, the winner of that game of Mason Bracken plays the winner of Warren Central Madison Central. So hey. Congrats, wow. you won. Your second round prize is, is going to be against one of the top probably, you know, Warren Central. Well, Warren Central's the top state. five team in the state. Yeah, they're probably number two right now behind Clark, which I think right. rightfully so with whatever both have returning. And then Madison Central, you you throw in Hagen Harrison in the mix. A lot of the Montgomery County fans and 10th Region fans are very familiar with who that is. And 
that's a very dynamic player. You throw him in the mix, and that makes them uh, a very good threat to win that very highly competitive 11th region. So, well, you know, Mason, Mason Bracken obviously is a lot of the talk, but I'll tell you what, you know, one thing to look out for, I think Augusta's really liking this. They're kind well, of, I do too. And I was going to talk about that here in a second. Yeah. But the one, but the one piece, you know, that, you know, Mason County added was, I think, one of the areas where they needed. Right. Some help in Riley Maston. Riley Maston was the first, second team, you know, tight. You know, the region's tough from an individual talent standpoint, but Riley Maston has all the skills to be a first team performer. Um, and, you know, I'm Mason County. Yeah, absolutely. Huh? I mean, he's a, he's a top 10 player in this region, no doubt about it. And I think adding him, to me personally, keeps Mason over the hump of Bracken because I don't know if they have an answer for him. You know, they, they, they do offset. Their lack of size, Bracken does with with their quickness and just their tenacity on that end. But at sometimes you gotta go get the ball, and you know you look back at the district championship and Terrell Henry but, the, the night he had, and then you add Riley Mass in that mix. You know what though? Tough. The same thing you just said there about you know Bracken County don't have anybody to match up with him. Bracken County didn't have anybody to match up with Des Davy in the region. Bracken County didn't have anybody to match up with uh, you know Richard Harris or a guy of that size for Harrison, but yet they always seem to perform well against those big post players. Mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, those guys still got theirs. They, they were definitely a factor in that game, but maybe it's a matter of, hey, let them get theirs. Don't let anybody else get theirs. Right. And they and do a great job of that. You know, you They do. And, you know, like that. their primary guard or whoever it is, and he's going to shut them down. You got Deshaun, you got Austin Norton. I mean, you got guys that could just flat out defend. You know, Blake is a very underrated defender, too. Well, and that's the one thing I think that Coach Reed's done well is getting those uh, role players like Deshaun and Austin Norton to buy into their role and to do their role well. Yeah. You know, Mason, I mean, I I think they've got some very underrated guys that are kind of, I think, ready to take that next step, too. You know, last year it was the Nate Mitchell that was, you know, the primary ball handler and a, a guy that, you know, took a lot of their shots, maybe 10 or 15 plus a night where those opportunities now are going to trickle down to Braylon Hamilton, who's a very electric player with the basketball on his hands. You got KG Walton, who's, you know, just as quick as as anybody in the region, I think. And then you got other guys too, like, you know, Philip Beerley. That's going to open up, I think, a lot more opportunity for him with Maston being there where Beerley doesn't have to play the five. Maston now is the five. Beerley's your four. Then you got Terrell, who can basically play one through five. So, you know, Mason's still really good. Brackett's they are. really good. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, and like you just mentioned, Augusta is really liking this right now because one thing you know as well as I do, <laughs> Jason Henson loves coaching a team flying under the radar. And I'm going to tell you this. I watched their scrimmage, um, and I know Coach Reed was there as well, but I thought Augusta looked really good in their scrimmage that they did. Um, I can't even remember the team they played. Uh, Felicity. Felicity yeah. Franklin out of Ohio. Yeah. Um, Kylan Henson went up and dunked on a kid. I mean, gave him a head tap. I mean, it was pretty impressive because Kylan's so quiet. And the one thing I think Coach Henson's wanted from him is to be a little bit more aggressive. Well, it seems like he's taking that step. And then they still return like – a Connor Snap, who's played in big games against Mason and Bracken in that district tournament. And, you know, they lose Riley and Kaysen, and by no stretch of the mean, you know, that's those are big losses. Riley doubled, you know, double-double, and Kaysen just, you know, that ball handler that 
you know, the coach can trust and rely on, and he was able to score and just a big part of that team. But I think people are dismissing Augusta for those two reasons when I think um, they're going to be a lot better than what people give them credit for. Based on the scrimmage I watched, they're they're already farther ahead. You know, LJ Connor looked good, looked under control at times. Um, and they just – they have – they have the pieces that can uh, sneak up and beat you. And when people I don't think are um, talking about them enough. That's either the beautiful or dumb thing about that district. You know, it's going to be, it comes down to one game and it comes down to who you pick out of a pill. Um, and and you know, me and you differ on that. I'm a, right, I'm a right, right, right. long live the draw type person, yeah. but and I, totally I don't want to get into, you know, no. we, we won't have to get into that, but you know, hitting back on Bracken, I, like you mentioned, I, I think LJ Connor is really a, the key to that team because they got to have a, a, a guy that's going to be a point guard and, and going to be able to handle the ball. Now, if he can't, you know, do it at for the thir- full thirty-two minutes, who else will it be? Is it Connor Snap, who's who's shown the ability to, you know, be able to handle the basketball? You know, who, who's that guy going to be that creates and facilitates for them? To where you know, Case and Henson had primarily had that role the last few years. So, and I wonder too if you know. How if LJ has to handle the ball 95% of the time primarily as the point guard, how's that going to affect his shot? Is he going to get enough shots? Yeah. He's one of those ones that he hits two or three. He may hit seven in a row. And is his great. shots going to decrease because he's handling the ball? You know, he's and I'm sure that's, something, that's something Coach Henson will figure out, and I'm sure he already has thought about that. But um, He's great you know, on the dribble and creating. It's just I think it's a matter of – how he facilitates while he does it. Cause he's, I think he's very good at getting his own shot is a matter of, you know, how you get others involved too. And that's something like you said, Jason will create things. And, and one thing Henson too, he's, he's high on his depth. You know, he, he thinks he's got, he can go eight, nine deep. You know, I, I think every coach in America or at least in Kentucky says that right now, but he's really confident where, you know, the years prior, they didn't really have that luxury. You know, they would maybe bring, you know, a Will Kelch or, a Nolan Young or Keaton Bach off the bench where this year he has those three guys. One or two of them will probably be starting now. And then, you know, he's, he's big on some other guys too that could come in and give him some minutes. So, well, um, when I watched the scrimmage, uh, LJ Connor's brother, Chan shot the ball extremely well, handled the ball some and passed the ball well. And Tristan Klingelhofer played really well in the minutes I saw. Now how those minutes trans transition into big-time minutes in a big-time district game, that's yet to be determined or, you know, how quick they progress or because neither one of those two probably have much experience at the varsity level. I know Trish, Tristan's played a couple of years, but I know he's been injury-prone, and um, I don't know if he's really got a lot of varsity minutes because the one position he plays is where Kaysen Henson was. And, you know, Kaysen pretty well had a stronghold on that point guard position for the last four or five years, and rightfully so. So, um, like I said, they're going to miss Kaysen. They're going to miss Riley. But it's just – it'll be fun to see, um, you know, just Kaysen be- – or Kylan, sorry, Kylan becoming more aggressive. His shot's smooth, but he seems to be attacking the basket a lot more now. I don't know if it's because, you know, maybe his body's matured, he's a year older, or n- because he can dunk on people now, he wants to do it all the time. But um, – Augusta's definitely going to be a little bit better. They're, you know, whoever draws them in the first round of the district is not getting an easy draw. Yeah. I mean, Kyle is a sleeping giant, man. If he if he ever realizes his potential and, and stays aggressive the way he can, he can be at 20 and 8 every single night. 
You know, there's there's no doubt in my mind he can do that, especially with the stroke he has from from the outside. And his yeah. his his stroke looks effortless. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just so smooth, it goes through. Um, I really expect him to have a big season, and I won't be shocked if he averages 20 and eight. And I think Augusta is going to need him to put up some points. But Connor snapshot the ball real well in the scrimmage I watched. Uh, um, Will Kelch did some things well. Um, I think he'll still be learning, you know, kind of the pace of the game at the varsity level. He did get some varsity minutes. If you remember the last couple of years at the district tournament, um, I'm not so sure he was ready for those varsity minutes then, but I think he's ready now. I think he's going to be a contributor. He's a big body that can rebound. And, and I think that's probably where they're going to miss Riley the most is getting some of those tough rebounds in traffic. The thing I like about Bracken, too, is they're going to come into mid-February, no doubt, battle-tested. That schedule they have is is, is, is is hard for maybe even like an inner-city Louisville school, like Trinity or St. X, you know, one of those private schools in Louisville. Like, that's kind of like the schedule that they have. It's just insane. I mean, you, you go down the list of, of who they're playing throughout the year, and, and they're going to be ready come mid-February, you know, they might be 18 and 10 or whatever it is, you know, lose some of those games close or whatnot. But, you know, just even through Christmas, they're going to have already played probably three or four of the top 25 teams in the state. So they're going to be curious. And I don't know who decides this. I don't know if you, if you do the uh, kind of the KHSAA, um, what's that formula they use over there called RPI. You know, and I don't know how accurate that is at that level or whatever, but I'd be curious to see somebody who knows rank their schedule at the state level. I mean, I'd be hard for me to find somebody who plays a harder schedule. Well, now, I can probably think of a handful of teams. I mean, Cubcath, GRC, you know, the teams that are already top five, top ten teams in the state. But like Adam Reed said, I mean, you know, we want to be on those teams' levels, so we have to play the, who those teams play. So – they're going to and, see all kind of styles and, and be ready for, for that type of stuff where, you know, and I'm not making a knock on Mason or Augusta's schedule. It's just, I mean, Bracken's, is, it's just more competitive and tougher. And you talked about Lyon County a little bit earlier. What about Blake Reed and Travis Perry going at it? You know, those are two guys in the same grade that are probably both have a uh, outstanding, better than average shot to pass King Kelly Coleman's scoring record. So, um, I'm glad you mentioned Brighton County's um, schedule because I wanted to do that and it kind of slipped my mind. But when you look at that schedule, it's, you know, you got to admire Coach Reed for putting together a schedule that tough because, you know, he sees the big picture and, you know, he's not worried about wins. He's worried about preparing his team to make that regional run again. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, something something to gauge throughout the year and, and I think the key for them is just keeping their composure throughout all 32 minutes, all 30 games. And <laughs> we speak of Lyon County, and Mason County plays them on, on Saturday. That'll be a lot of fun. This coming Saturday? Yeah, it's at the uh, PRTC Classic at Jackson County. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I won't be making that trip, but maybe I'll, send a, maybe I'll send a stay hot correspondent to cover that game. I yeah. played down in uh, – do you say Jackson, Kentucky, or Jackson County? It says Jackson County. I don't even know where oh. that is. Well, <laughs> I went to Jackson, Kentucky, a breath of County one year for a game, and where's yeah. Jackson County? Where is that? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I, actually, I think there's the Generals. I think I scrimmaged Jackson <laughs> County one year at Paris's Panorama with Robertson County boys. They might be the Jackson County Generals. I don't, I don't know why I know that, but 
I wonder how Let big me look them up real quick. I'm on Ryehards. I'll look them up real quick so we can we can say we educated the public tonight. I'll fill the air while you do. Jackson County. I wonder They're how region big, region thirteen. I wonder how big that gym is. But that well, day, I mean, you, you, like it's it's so odd. It's right. It's like you got Buckhorn versus Odita Baptist Institute. You got Williamsburg versus Jackson County, and then obviously your main event, Lyon County, Mason County, which I think is really cool. You know, I, I I like when teams go go do that, and you know, I, I, if anything, you might get a full gym with you know all people from Jackson County because Lyon County to Jackson County, I bet that's three hours plus. Well, yeah, Lyon County's down. What region are they? Two. Yeah, second region. Yeah, they're the thirteenth. So, so they might have to go through time zones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, maybe two. <laughs> they might go through the central and the eastern. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's they, yeah. Lyon County's on east or central time, so that I'm pretty sure that's a uh, you go from central to eastern. And for, I mean, I'm sure from Mason to Jackson County. I mean, I'm I bet that's a two hour bus ride. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's pretty Definitely. cool. I, just, I like when teams do that, you know. I do too, and it kind of reminds me of, you know, in the NCAA seeing all the really good teams playing these uh, early season tournaments, whether it's the Bad Boy Mowers, whether it's the Phil Knight Invitational, whether it's the Maui Classic. I love seeing those good teams play early on. But um, My favorite is the one where they play in the Bahamas in that ballroom. Yeah. Well, with, the, with the lighting and everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Moving on to the 40th, um, the 40th kind of reminds me a lot of the 38th and the aspect of you got to, you know, Clark County, I think, is heads above um, Bourbon, Montgomery, and Paris. But I think those other three are going to be really competitive and battling for that number two seed. You know, and we know that there's, you know, I'd even take the number three seed in that district. Everybody will be playing to avoid that four seed because they don't want, you know, GRC there in that first round game, and I can't say I blame them, but um, GRC had an impressive win yesterday. Um, I think they beat Reed Shepard North Laurel by 10 on their home floor in a scrimmage, and, you know, Clark has deserved the right to be preseason number one in the state, and um, North Laurel, I think, is four. So um, to beat a team double digits in a preseason scrimmage, that tells me both of those teams right there are probably – I guess, uh, ahead of where most teams are this early in the season. But, you know, the one thing I don't know if most people know that uh, North Laurel got a um, a good recruit, Gavin Chadwell. Um, Gavin Chadwell was a big-time football player for Knox Central, pretty good basketball player as well. And Knox Central's the team with uh, – is it Patterson? Jav- no, Turner. Javante Turner that um, kind of beat North Laurel a couple times a year – or a couple years ago in the regional finals. Knox Central, yeah. Knox Central, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Like, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I I think the only reason why North Oil Sports is because of Reed Shepard. I, I don't know, man. I and I'm not trying to call them out. They're they're a top ten team in the state, but breaking them fourth, good lord, man. Well I saw, I saw them at I saw them at the state tournament and it it, it might have just been a bad night for them, but it just to me didn't warrant a top five ranking for the following season. But Again, well, that's, that's a different region, and maybe for another day. But, but you I know as well as I do that, and it seems to be that way at the state level. Um, you know, not only is he Reed Shepard, but he's also committed to play at Kentucky, so that probably helps that ranking, and it's probably going to uh, 
help his chances in Mr. Basketball as well. I've I've heard a lot of conspiracy theorists say that if you commit to Kentucky, it intensifies your chances to uh, become the state's Mr. Basketball, which I'm not going to say that about Reed Shepard because if he wins, I think it's because he earned it. But um, I want to I start my Jerome Morton for Mr. Basketball campaign. I think that dude is super underrated, man. Listen, that dude um, – He doesn't need Coach to score 30 to change a game. Well – Coach Preston Spradlin of Moorhead State is getting a gem. Um, I think he's definitely um, a D1 player. Um, you know, I'm glad he's at Moorhead, my alma mater, and close enough that I can drive up and watch a game because I'm a very big fan of Jerome and what he does at GRC. And the kid's just a winner, man. He makes winning plays on both ends of the floor. And um, He literally locked dudes down in that state tournament last year. Okay. I'm just telling you right now, he would get my vote if I had one. And it has nothing to do with me being in the same region. It has nothing to do – I just feel like, you know, he's the best player on the best team in the state, and he deserves some recognition. I hope he gets it. He's already won the most important award outside of Mr. Basketball, which was most most outstanding player of the Sweet 16. And he won that last year. And Obviously, a, a, a big ring on your finger is a very good accolade too, you know. And what, what impressed me the most about – you know, GRC is, is just – it really seems like Coach Cook has, has really got those kids. And we said it all year last year. At what point in time do some of those kids start thinking, me, 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 I got to get my numbers over the team? You know, and, and we never – that point never happened during the season. And when you go 38-1 or 37-1, whatever they did, maybe it's easy to just keep keep winning and not worrying about yourself. But they were really, really bought into the team concept. And they're loaded again, you know. And- I will say this, and I believe this: um, winning calls, winning cures a lot of headaches. If you got that talent level, and you're sitting around, you know, at Christmas, and say you're sitting around ten and eight or something, there's going to be headaches. There's going to be problems. Winning cures a lot of that, but never once did I see that team. And I streamed a lot of their games, and I watched. I think I watched every one of their state tournament games. I never saw a hint of selfishness out of any of those guys. And I think that's a lot of credit given to uh, coach Josh cook and able to keep those guys team first. Yeah. I mean, I, the biggest thing, you know, coming in is, is how do they replace the production of Aiden Sloan and, and, and Tanner Walton? You know, those, those two kids were really, uh, they were X factors in a lot of games last year and guys that made that extra pass or, got that stop or, you know, got the big rebound and led to a fast break point, you know, who's going to be those guys, you know, Rashawn Hampton, you know, coach cooks really high on him. He's a great three point shooter. You've got, um, you know, obviously Trent Edwards, you've got Sam Parrish. And then uh, the the fifth guy, who am I leaving out? I'm going to, I'm going to probably kick myself when I do that. Give me a sec here. (laughs) Who am I leaving out? Jerome Morton, Sam Perry. Oh, uh, did you talk about uh, big boy named Trent Edwards? Yeah, I talked about Trent. I talked about Rashawn, Jerome, Sam Parrish, and then oh, Tyleek Maxwell, who was Maxwell. And he, was he a ju- is he a junior? Is he a junior this year? Maybe a, he's a senior now. Okay, he, he was one of their first guys off the bench last year. Yeah, I think I remember him. So they, I mean, they were primarily seven deep. You know, Sammy Hernandez would get some some run here and there, which made him maybe about eight deep and. Stanley Smothers too at times. So 
you know, where's that depth come from? You know, he I think he's he's really high on JP Gaines. He likes Eli Craig. You know, are, are those two guys ready to kind of fill in those roles on, on how deep they can be? That's that's my only thing. But as far as the, the starting five, it's probably arguably the best starting five in the state. That's fair to say. Uh, yeah, uh, very fair to say. And it's one through five. There's not a hole. Like there's right. not a hole in that five. Like there's three point shooting. There's bulldog defense with Sam Parrish guarding you full court. Drone Morton's locking down the dude. I mean, Trent Edwards is is a rim protector. You got like I said, shooting. You've got penetrating, ball handling. There's not a weakness in that starting five, but maybe when you go down, and sometimes that's all you you need in high school basketball. A lot a lot of times when it gets come late February, early March. You're not going with six, seven max deep. So, um, obviously, we, we could talk about GRC probably this whole podcast for an hour because of the special season they had and what they well, had back and how special though they, they can continue to be. Well, um, and honestly, uh, Coach Cook has always been good about supporting us and coming on. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure he'll come on with us again when we reach out. And mm-hmm. it'll be nice to hear. You know, obviously, I think if you coach – um, you're probably competitive and you probably at some point in time, your goals is to end your career or end your season or whatever on Rupp Arena's floor. Um, you know, he not only got to go to Rupp Arena, he got to cut down the nets at the end. And it'd be great to kind of hear that. You know, not everybody gets that opportunity. So we'll get a firsthand, you know, account or experience from Coach Cook because I know he'll come on with us when we reach out. But uh, who's, who's I think challenging him this year. That's what I want to know. Is it Moco, Paris or Bourbon? Well, that's the thing I was kind of – when I said that, you know, these three teams right here, I'll be honest with you, I don't know a whole lot about Bourbon County, but I know Derek Robinson. I know what kind of athlete he was. I know what kind of competitor he is. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, it's going to be a big jump replacing Lamont Campbell because I think Lamont was doing a lot of great things at Bourbon County. Um, but, you know, Sean Ransom, who is uh, – I think he's a Paris boy. Um, he uh, He's coached a lot of basketball, um, a very competitive, good coach. But I honestly think the, the second best team in that district is Montgomery County. And I think the reason <coughs> I think I'm choosing Montgomery County, and I know that, you know, last year Paris and Montgomery County had one of those games in the district where <laughs> Montgomery County's up 18, Paris comes back, ends up winning, and then, you know, kind of makes the regional tournament. Um but um, just John – I think John Bentley's experience on the sidelines. And I was real impressed with some of his talk and at media day. Um, he's also got a couple young players that are really, really talented, Luke Fons being one of those. Plus, he's got a really good leader in uh, Trey Carroll. Well, that, um, that's going to be the big key for them to be that two spot, I think, is, is Trey's health. Like, cause he, yeah, he, he, he was hurt at media day, wasn't he? Yeah, and he he said he wasn't sure when he'd be able to go yet. Like they, they're hoping for you know opening night when they when they start things out. But as of and honestly, day, things were still kind of up in the air on his availability. Yeah. Well, his and health. It's like, a, it's like a torn labrum. It's not like it's like just a um, pulled muscle. Yeah. yeah. And I don't like speculating on injuries much, so I don't really know you know how long that keeps you out. But as of media day, his availability was still kind of in doubt. As I say, I definitely think it you know, changes things. But just with Bentley's experience, he took Estill County to the state tournament. He's coached in big games. And they're Um, probably the only team in the region that returns their whole starting five. I can't think of another team that has Bracken maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Did they start Peyton Gilvin? 
Uh, but not, you know, and I know Gary yeah. was in that mix here and there, but. You know, but yeah, you know, would they probably return, you know, Devontae? Yeah, I mean, they uh, got their, pretty much their primary. So and, they add Chase, and they add Chase Archibald. You know, I'm not so sure what his eligibility is right now. I know he set out the scrimmages. Um, I think they're still waiting to hear something. But, you know, Chase will, you know, somebody that can help spread the floor, too, with his shooting ability. We didn't mention that with Bracken. But yeah, um, I, didn't mean I think – topic, but I just thought that that's right. a factor, too. When you have a returning coach and that starting five back, to me, that gives a team a, a big advantage, especially early on to get going. And I wasn't aware of that they returned all five starters. So I definitely, you know, but like I, th- I said, you know, and I know Derek's played a lot of high-level basketball. And I know that Sean's coached a lot, and Derek's even coached the girls of Bourbon County last year. Um, John Bentley's coached at the state tournament. He coached a lot of big games, and his team won the region at Estill County. And if you put that experience on the sidelines with all five returning starters, I think they got to be the preseason number two. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching, you know, Bourbon, Paris, and Montgomery County battle it out to avoid that number four appeal. Yeah, and, you know – Montgomery obviously come in with the chip on their shoulder. Um, the way that, their season ended last year has yeah, to. That, uh, with that big lead and people at Mount Sterling are probably max. I feel like I bring that up every time I talk about it here on the, you know, media days and whatnot. But, you know, it is. But, you know, it is. in all honesty, though, that that's, off them, so. that's, that's the story. That's the motivation that they may need. Mm-hmm. You know, now they get an 18-point lead in the district tournament this year. They're probably not going to let this one slip away. You know, that's a tough pill to swallow, a tough lesson to learn, but, you know. And I'm a big fan of, of what Paris and Bourbon have gone in direction of their hiring of, of head coaches, you know. I mean, and I am as well. Derek Roberts, Robinson, I mean, you know, not to show my age, but that dude was balling at WKU when I was there, you know, and he was one of those big players, and he's part of that team that beat Kentucky in Lexington that one year, so. Uh, and I know Coach Reed played against him in high school, and Coach Reed can tell you some stories about – just how good of a player he was. And and yes. when you've played, I think he probably played professionally and he played oh, yes. at the D1 level. I mean, he's got a mindset of he knows what it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I think Bourbon County made a home run hire, and I think Sean Ransom will do a great job at Paris. Um, and, you know, a, a quote that I took from one of their players that stuck out to me was, was Miles Ezel, you know, one of Bourbon's guards. It's a senior, and, you know, he said 8-40 and 40 the last two years is something we don't forget. You know, we hate losing, and uh, that's something I think that, that can get changed around quickly if they can find the right chemistry and mix. And, you know, that was a team that really struggled down the stretch last year, and I, I think they'll, you know, remember that and, and hopefully build off that. And Coach Ransom, man, I mean, you, you hear him talk in the uh, in the media day, and he gets you fired up. You know, you I was going to say, I wanted to run, run through, through a wall. wall. Yeah. Uh, You're ready to come. You know, and I know we didn't mention many players, but Marcus Ashford is a good piece to build around down there in Paris. Yeah. You know, Malachi. Or Mouse. Yeah, it is Malachi. Hey, Marcus was there a few years ago. I coached against him. I know. For him. He calls me a few nightmares. I know. But Malachi Ashford, I think, is he a freshman or sophomore this year? I think he'll be a freshman. That's what I'm thinking. But I know as an eighth grader, he had a lot of big games, individual games, where he scored a lot of points. And, um, as a new coach coming over, taking over, a point guard like Malachi and being a freshman is a good piece to build around. Yeah, you got him and Jakari Ransom back, and that that's two guys in your backcourt that are back, and I think that'll help them. And, you know, they did lose lose a couple guys uh, that were in the starting rotation, but 
they're going to play hard. And, you know, Paris, I think eventually will, will get back to that level of, you know, maybe not the all-A state championship team level, but a, a level to where they're going to be a factor in that district again. Well, and I think, um, like you said, I think the start of that is the right hire. And I think they made that hire. Somebody who's from the area that is passionate about Paris basketball. And um, I think uh, they're in, you know, I know the elephant in the, the room is the, you know, Clark County in the district. But I think they're also in a pretty good district because I think they'll be, they can be competitive with the other two teams. And it, can only go, it can only go up from here because, I mean, Clark was just – I mean, it was just amazing how much they would win those games by in that district. I mean, they, they averaged probably an average margin of victory around 50 points. Well, I know they scored over 100, you know, several times. But, um, yeah. but you know, um, I think the 10th region is set up this year for a fun and exciting year. I really do. Um, but the same question you just asked in the district is probably the same question we can pose in the region. Who can challenge GRC? Um, so we want my top ten. If you want to, if we want to go over our top ten here to end it, we will, and then we'll be back next week and have a little bit of few, a little or several games to talk about because I know this first week it's a busy slate. We close with something fun too. It's, it's just kind of a thought that kind of crossed my mind. You're a head yeah. coach, so we'll call it Coach's Corner. You know, okay. We'll close on this. We'll close on that question. I I have it in my head already. Okay. We'll talk about our top ten first. Um, All right. You know, number one, I mean, obvious. I think it's going to be unanimous when, uh, you know, Travis Skaggs of WFTM, he does the weekly media rankings. They should be out here within this week at some point. So check check those out on his Twitter or, where, you know, wherever he'll post them. And uh, obviously it's going to be Clark. You know, GRC is my number one. Uh, should be no doubt unanimous number one. Anyone that – doesn't think they're number one. I'm, I'll go ahead and call them a homer right now because they're not. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> they're not one. looking at. They're not looking at it objectively. Now, here's what I'll I'll preface it by saying this though. It it to me, it's not as daunting of a task as it might have been last year. You know, I think the gaps close. Not saying someone's going to beat them, but I, I think right. the gaps closing this year to where they're going to have maybe a game or two in region play, whether it be throughout the season in district or region tournament where there there's going to be a game in doubt in the fourth quarter where they're going to have to go win it. You know, last year, that wasn't really the case. I mean, Mason had them tied at halftime in the region tournament, but outside of that, I think Campbell played them close, but it was very early in the season. First game of the year, I believe. Other than that, they weren't really tested in the region. I don't think they had a game within single digits. So, if that's well, anything. Well, and I think to back your point up there is, you know, last year they also had, you know, Aiden Sloan who – you know, I know Jerome may play some point guard this year. Sam may play some point guard, but they're still playing a se- couple guys who have not really had that primary role in a battle test. Yeah. And then I'm going to go Mason, too. Um, if anything, please let's try and get them on opposite sides of the bracket this year. I feel like the last couple of years they've been on the same bracket side and they play each other in the semifinals. But that's just sometimes how it works, and you're going to have to – beat the best to be the best at any point in time in the region tournament. And that's if Mason, you know, there's no, there's no guarantee that they'll win the 39th this year. So for that, I'm going to put Bracken three, Campbell four, Harrison five. I think four and five were really close to me. I I like Bracken at three. I think they're comfortable there. Um, I'm going to also just point back to last year. They went four and oh against those two teams at four and five. I got Montgomery six. I, I think they can be, you know, a, a very tough out this year in the region. 
I like Brossard. I think they're seven. I got Scott eight. I got Augusta nine. And then I put Paris at 10. So Nicholas is right there knocking on the door, um, which would be kind of my top 10. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty solid 10 to me. It wasn't extremely difficult to rank. I think maybe Augusta could have a say. And in, in if they wanted to be maybe in that seven spot ahead of Brossard, but I like what Brossard had returning a little bit better. And Scott, I just think they're, they're ready to bounce back from last year. And, you know, I, that's why I put them eight. So that that's kind of my top 10 with, with Nicholas knocking on the door and, you know, they very well could be 10 right there with Paris too. Um, ours are very similar, except, I mean, I've got GRC one. I put Bracken two for the simple fact that they made the finals now. Um, <laughs> It's it, it's hard to put them over Mason County when Mason County's beat them 31 straight times. But I think those are the two best teams in that district. So I could very easily say Mason two, Bracken three. Um, but um, – So you're I, basing that just off region tournament. Yeah, I based yeah, – yeah, and that's bad for me to look at it that way. I get it. Um, hey, at least you admit it. <laughs> but I just – I feel like – I don't know. I feel like – if this is the year that Bracken beats if, – if Bracken's going to beat Mason, I think this is the year. Um, granted, with Bracken County, what they have coming back next year, you could say the same thing next year. Um, but I also put um, Harrison 4, Campbell 5. And just because I want to see what Campbell does, you know, early on without Dez, I mean, that's a big piece of the puzzle. Um, but, you know, as we talked about, you know, I think it's time for Harrison – to prove that they need to be in that top five. I've said they've been a talented roster for the last two or three years, and they always seem to, you know, get an early round exit there in the regional tournament. So I'm ready ready for them and Coach Brooks to take that next step. So I had Campbell five. I put Montgomery six. I put Augusta seven, Brossard eight, Scott nine, and I also had Paris ten. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no real big discrepancy. The other there. thing is, though, I think Nicholas – um, Pendleton are very similar teams, and I think on any given day, those two may be able to beat Paris. Mm-hmm. You know, Paris, I think early on, are going to have some growing pains with the new coach and, you know, just a new system. But um, just when you're looking at the rosters, you know, I think Paris starting off. But um, I don't know, man. I, I'm i I'm going to – last year I doubted Adam Reed and the Polar Bears all year long, if you remember. I said, there's no way they can beat Harrison County. Harrison County size is too much. There's yep. no way they can beat Campbell. They don't have anybody in guard Des Davey. And it seems like every time I put their back against the wall, they made me look stupid. Yeah. And every time I, I think- saw every time I saw Coach Reed, Blake, and Caden, I was consistently and constantly reminded that I always picked against them. Oh, they'll so, let you know, too. They're going to let you oh, know. Yeah, they'll let I'm you sure, know. I'm all sure of they'll them let will. me know about this one, me putting Mason over them. But I mean, it's just well, you know, and like heads. you said, you know, Mason's won 31 straight times. It's yeah. hard to put Bracken County over them, and I may look stupid for doing so because I know how hard it is to, you know, when you just like you know Kentucky, Florida football. When you lose so many times in a row, there's some games you play well and you should probably win that you uh, end up giving away because you don't know how to win that game. So, but I think Bracken County's schedule will battle test them to be able to play and be ready for that game. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, it, like I said, I think you've got pods. You know, you've got your number one. Then I think you've got two through five, which are really, you know, it's it's tight there. You know, I don't think there's any real big distinct advantage. And then I think six through nine, I think, are right there. And then I think you got like ten through thirteen that are that are close too. So um, I, I'm expecting a, a a deeper region this year. I'm expecting it to be a, a little bit more competitive this year. And uh, you know it's back at the field house this year, so there'll, there'll be some some magic in March. I think that. Oh wait, no, well, not not, a, no, uh, uh-uh. uh no. It's not, not at Holmes. I'm not getting into that. Nope. I'm <laughs> hey, in the you're ninth nor- region. Hey, you're a Northern Kentucky guy now. Nope, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> no, nope. no, sir, not me. Man, the last couple times I've tried to bait you into some controversial topics, you've avoided. Yeah. We gotta you, sometimes, you know, people change, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh let's end this with coach's corner. Can All you right. call it that? Is that is that that's absolutely fine with me. Is, is that copyrighted somewhere where we might get fined? Nobody nobody high enough um is listening to this anyhow, so <laughs> they won't even know it happened. <laughs> All right. Question number one. It's gonna be three questions. All right. All right. Coaches a lot of time talk about a system, you know. As a coach with a system, how hard is that to continuously have year in, year out when you have new personnel each year? And I mean, I think for you it's a really good question because you're you primarily are at smaller schools. Pendleton's probably the biggest school you've you've coached at. So as far as a system do you how does that work? Can you can you continuously play your system? Well, and I think system is a word that's overused at the high school level because we don't get to pick the players on our team. You know, at the collegiate level, you can go out and recruit those guys that fit your system. And, you know, system to me is basically your coaching philosophy. Um, you know, I think your coaching philosophy changes based on the teams you coach and the uh, players you coach, or the personnel you have. But like um when I think of system, I don't know if I would say that I have a one set system. You know, I think I try to put my players who are the more skilled players in a situation to succeed, to kind of create mismatches to where they can kind of have success. You know, when I think of system, I think of Bishop Brosser under Mike Coe. They, no matter what athlete he had, they played the same style every single year. And I think he developed a system that worked for him and, with me, I think I'm totally different because I don't, you know, I'm not running some of the same offenses I ran at Robertson or Bracken with Pendleton because I have a different skill set. Now, and it's probably not fair to, for you to answer this at Pendleton, but let's say the years you were at Bracken or Robertson and your, your your feeder programs, do you tell the coaches to fit that style of play? Is that is that fair to ask that? Well, um, you know, when you work with your middle school programs, it's, you know, a lot different at Robertson County because, once again, numbers are always an issue. Um, you want – you at Bracken County, I was a little bit more involved because um, I would tell them, you know, this is the defense I want you to run or want you to work on. This is the offense. And I wouldn't give them every single offense because when you're a coach, even though you see the big picture at the middle school level, you want to prepare your guys for the high school level or whatever. As a head coach, though, you also want to run some of your own stuff. You know, who gets into coaching to be a puppet? You know what I'm saying? 
So, but, you know, I think within your system, I think if you want to have a successful top-to-bottom program, I think the varsity coach has to be visible at the elementary and the middle school levels. I think that's great answers. You know, I, I what I wanted to, wanted to hear. Um, here's my next one. You know, us media love to talk about, you know, coaching changes, this, that, or whatever not. But they say year three is the best year to gauge where a coach is and, and how far along they've, they've come. And that's the year that they should really start, you know, where you start really realizing they, yeah, they've turned a corner or they've built this from this to that or whatnot. How much do you think us as media are putting or looking too far into that or – how important or how big is that year three for a coach? Well, look at it like this. How fair is it to judge a coach in that year three? For example, I'm coming into Pendleton County. Now, granted, I've been fortunate in the past where I've had great athletes and I've had some success. So starting over a new school, a coach like, you know, some of the success I've had in the past, I may have a little bit longer leash, but I'm inheriting a Pendleton County team that has seven seniors. You know, so how fair is it to judge me in year three when I'm building a whole new roster the next couple of years after this year? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it's but, you know, and I once again, I think when you say year three, I think it makes more more sense for the media to use those terms or that language at the collegiate level because you're the one recruiting those players. You know, at the high school level, whoever tries out, I have to play the hand I'm dealt and, you know. Even at Pendleton County, we didn't have so many kids try out that I had to cut. You know, so um, I think at larger schools where they cut, coaches probably have, you know, maybe can be judged by that because they basically get to pick their roster. Um, I've never been at a school where I've had to got to handpick who I wanted to coach. They show up, I have to coach them. But I do think, you know, that if you're in year five or six and – you're still not producing, then it may not be the right fit. But I don't know if it's fair to judge any coach, you know, when there's so many external factors that play into coaching nowadays. Very fair. Uh, I, and that's – I think the high school to college maybe is, is something that I didn't really factor in when considering all that. And I think even pros too because obviously you can – Katie, your team to how you like it with free agent pickups and the draft and whatnot. So you know, because like that. like at Pendleton this year, you know, I've got three girls that are six foot or bigger that a lot of girls' teams don't have that luxury. You know, now granted, all three of those six footers are seniors, and I've got another girl who's five seven, five eight, maybe, but she plays like she's six three and she's a senior. So um I think everything, your system, your everything you decide on how you're going to coach has to be based on that personnel that you have. And then your system may change the next year because you no longer have that personnel. I lose, I go from losing three or four six footers to having no six footers. If that Very makes good. sense. Oh, it does. And I got one more and then just a quick bonus one. All right. A lot of time coaches talk about the fire and the, the you know how it builds inside and you know how how evident is that at, at early part in the season and you know how hard is that to maintain throughout you know because game one obviously your emotions and, and I think even for a coach too you know you, you're you got that feeling inside and 
that burning sensation of man, I want to get out there and, and get these guys rolling. And you know, how how does how does that work? Well, and it's also what uh, what plays into that is how successful you are to start your season. Obviously, if you start your season, you know, a little bit more successful, you're going to be that fire is going to burn a lot longer and it's going to stay aflame. It's not going to flicker out as quick. Uh, if you start out kind of sluggish, 0 and 6, 0 and 7, 0 and 8, you may have to dig deep and kind of search your soul and kind of find something to motivate you to relight that fire. But I think, in all honesty, though, I think that's when you really know. I had a few people tell me, you'll really know when you're ready to get out of coaching. You'll know when you're done. And I'll be honest with you, when my health was really bad, I really felt like I was done. I really felt like I would never grace the sidelines again. And I think I told you on the Stay Hot podcast, I told everybody to ask, I was done. I had no desire. But the moment I got back in at Pendleton County, the first practice, I felt that fire again. That told me that I really wasn't done yet. I still enjoy going in there, teaching, you know, working, getting to know, interacting with these kids. But um, I really, truly believe that you uh, – that fire stays burning as long as you still have a passion for basketball. Um, but now, does there times throughout the season, you know, especially in the dog days of winter when these days are long, um, that, that that flame flickers a little bit? Yeah, I think so, and I think all coaches will tell you that. But I think the good coaches are the ones who uh, can take that flicker and build it back into a flame. It's uh, And it is tough. You know, you're right. You know, it's hard to keep that thing going. But I think um, part of our competitive nature as coaches, it is to keep that fire burning. I think it's our competitiveness, our passion. I was hoping to get the kid in the kid the night before Christmas type of uh... – Ah well, <laughs> well you know. I'm just talking like about right the now, night before the season because you know you got a game tomorrow and we open up tomorrow and I, I'm excited. You know I've talked to my assistant coaches probably three or four times a day, just kind of you know what are their thoughts? What are you know as far as game plan? Because we open up at Williamstown, I cannot find anything on scrimmages, who they played, where they played, how they played, how many played. So we're kind of going into a blind and um. I was able to talk to a coach at scrimmage and I found it out of dumb luck, but, um, you know, we weren't allowed to practice today. We're not allowed to practice on Sunday. So I found out the information late last night when we had already game prepped. So if you go in tomorrow, throwing all that information at the team, they're going to be completely overwhelmed because we haven't had a chance to prepare for it. But, um, I don't, I'm excited. I wouldn't say, uh, I never thought about the analogy of kid, a kid on Christmas Eve, but that's probably how a lot of coaches feel tonight. All right. This will be kind of a maybe a one word answer and then maybe you could elaborate if you All right. want. I don't wanna I don't wanna get you in trouble or anything. It's I don't think it would, but you never know. I you know me, I don't have much of a filter. If I think I can say it, I'll say it. Triple headers. Love them or hate them. Hate them. <laughs> and you know what? But I see both sides of it. Um you get three. You get all three of your teams to play, and it's just one night. Now, do you it, have a freshman team? I know you don't have that luxury at Robertson, probably. So, right, we we have freshman JV and varsity at Pendleton, but um, you get all those games in on one night, and it's, and you know a lot of people say that they love them because it's not an extra night of the week they're out. But I just feel like it takes like those days where there's a triple header seem to last forever. 
I mean, they're it starts on. at 5, and you're, you're in the gym till probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I get to school every morning about 7 a.m. So um, I usually leave my house around 6.30. But it's like um, – so I see both sides of it, but just a personal preference. I'd rather, you know, the freshmen kind of have their own schedule on different nights. But when I inherited the schedule, I think we have three or four triple headers. And, you know, which I guess it's good because our freshmen are getting the opportunity to play. There's a lot of times, you know, we're, we're having trouble finding freshman games. and um, But, you know, in that aspect, they get a play. I do like the fact that on triple headers on the road that, you know, your whole team's there, the camaraderie, you know, those freshmen get to interact with the seniors and kind of get a look up to them and learn from them. But it just seems like a very long day. But, but then again, if you look at it on the other side that, you know, well, if we do it all on Monday, then that means there's a Tuesday or Wednesday. You ain't got to be at the gym because you got them all done on the one night. So I personally don't like them, but I understand why they're done. Fair enough. That's a good question. I've never had anybody ask me that. That's a good question. It's funny because I asked, I won't say his name on the cast, but I asked the coach. I saw that they post something and their home opener was a triple header. And I was like, you know, is this something that you really like to do? You know, and, you know, he said, yeah. And it was something to where he gets to, see his freshman play where maybe, you know, often he, he may not, or, and I think you brought up a good point of, you know, it's, it's one last night at the gym possibly instead of watching your freshman on a Wednesday or a Thursday night, you know, when you're off. You're, you're Because you're I will say this, I'm one of those coaches that if the freshmen are playing, I, I try to be in the gym. You know, I want them to know that I'm the head coach. I'm the varsity coach. I'm the head of the program that I do care about them and what they're doing. And, because I do. And, you know, maybe I learned to love triple headers. You know, Robertson, I was spoiled because we never really had a freshman team. So um, at Bracken County, triple headers wasn't really a thing towards the end of my, you know, coaching tenure there. So, but now they seem to be more common. And like I go through a year of them here, maybe I'll learn to like them. Who knows? I'll be open minded to liking them. It's just that I think my personal preference right now and everything I've dealt with as far with them that I just soon not have them, but that may change. Good deal. Well, man, I appreciate it. Uh, another Sunday that uh, was spent together. Always grateful for your time and always grateful for your insight because, I, like I said, I think we have the best podcast for 10th Region Basketball. And, you know, as far as people checking us out, we're both 10th Region uh, people. Or as far you know, you've been around a lot long enough now that you know the players, you know the teams, the coaches. But uh, to everybody at home listening, thank you. And as always, stay tuned and stay hot.